Welcome to the OSG Connections podcast, the place to hear from people who make OSG better together. I'm your host, Jim Carr. This episode is part of a series tied to Women's History Month. We wanted to bring you conversations with a diverse set of women working across OSG. We're talking about issues such as expectations in traditionally male-dominated industries, or work-life balance, mentoring, support networks, and more. In this particular episode, you'll hear from Ashley Phillips, Pat Lindsay, Kathy Swift, and Alicia Lifrak. Here's that great conversation. It is uh, quite a pleasure to have a, uh, a wonderful group here for this episode of OSG Connections, some highly accomplished and interesting women from OSG. It'll be Ashley, Pat, Kathy, and Alicia in conversation today. What I'd like to ask is for each of you, uh, we'll go around and if you could just let our audience hear your voice and a little bit of your current role at OSG. And if you could also talk a bit about how you came to be part of OSG, when that happened and and how that happened, because a lot of people have come to OSG, as I've learned, from some very different paths. So Alicia, perhaps we could begin with you, if you could talk a bit about what you're doing and how you came to be part of OSG. My name is Alicia Lifrak, and I actually came to be part of OSG as a result of the acquisition of legacy company Gabriel Group. I worked at Gabriel in the capacity as executive vice president, leading um, all of our services related to nonprofit clients. And through the transition into OSG, I continue to do that. So I work with any of our nonprofit organizations on multi-channel campaigns. We're a very highly consultative agency working on fundraising and membership programs for clients throughout the U.S. So yeah, my role has kind of shifted around within OSG, but my client group has remained pretty steady throughout. So that's how I came to be here. Interesting transition indeed. Kathy, about you, your role at OSG and how you came to be part of it. Well, I actually just joined OSG at the beginning of 2022 to head up a brand new function of client marketing. So I'm focused very heavily on our external client engagement. We'll be leading a brand new client advisory board. And while I you know, predominantly am externally focused, I'm also very tightly aligned with the newly formed client success organization as well. So really excited to be here and to be part of that growing team. And Kathy, what were you doing prior to coming to OSG recently? So uh, previously I was doing some consulting work, but I had come from a 18 year career in a high tech industry. Pat, you also are a relatively recent addition to the OSG team. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? My name is Pat Lindsay, and I am a project manager for the Octa Project, one of our biggest initiatives going on within OSG. And I came about OSG through a current employee, Scott Drenner. He reached out to me. He and I worked together at another company, and he reached out to me and asked me if I was looking for a new opportunity. I actually thought I was the babe of the group, but I see Kathy beat me up. (laughs) That's outstanding. And uh, Ashley, love to hear from you about what your role is and how you came to be part of OSG. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jim. I'm Ashley Phillips. I have been with OSG since May of 2021, so creeping up on a one-year anniversary. And being here, I head up our revenue effectiveness organization. So I have a really 
what I think is a cool job. And then I get to work with everybody, all these other ladies on the call as well. I get to be kind of the middle cog in the wheel of pulling in together marketing and all the different tech and projects that we have here at OSG and helping our sales team be able to effectively sell more. And not only for those in the field, but then I get to work with people, leaders like Alicia and her team and and make sure that I'm supporting her as a manager as well. So pretty cool job. It sounds like a very cool job, Ashley. And if you don't mind, let's stay with you for just a moment, Ashley, and uh, and transition into one of the main topics that we want to cover in this short series here on the podcast is how you as female professionals have considered and navigated working, which largely have been more male-dominated fields, certainly traditionally, and and that often goes into today. And so, Ashley, I I believe when we've spoken before that this was something you looked at very closely when you were thinking about coming into OSG and and just something that you've been dealing with and trying to deal with very strategically in your career. Could, Could you speak to that in terms of woman in a largely man's world? I feel like it's kind of always been that way. I started college as a high school social studies teacher, and I was the department leader of just male coaches, right? And so here I was one of the only females in my department leading. And when I left uh, education, I went to high tech. It's mostly been male dominated and it's had its ups and downs. And I think historically, sadly, it's felt like more downs, unfortunately. And so when the recruiter called for this job, OSG, I went on the website and I looked at the faces on the website and I thought, "Mm, pass. And I called the recruiter back and I said, Dave, you got to find something else. I'm not doing this again. Like I've been doing this. I've been there before. I know how this goes. And um, I said, find me something else. I'm, I'm good on this one. And he said, no, no, no. He said, don't do that. He says, I've met Dennis, who you'd report to. I've talked with him. You're really going to like him. And also, not only that, but if you don't like what you see, OSG is in a position as a company that you should be the change. And you've been around enough and you've been in different roles enough that you can be the change. So join and be that catalyst and advocate for you know, women in leadership roles and make those connections. And so I took Dave's advice and I, I did talk to Dennis more and more and it, it felt like a good fit. And I'd have to say that since joining the opportunities to become a leader, they are there. And I have been able to find other women like the ones on this call and even the ones in in part of the other series that I do admire. And I, I do think that Kevin and some of the other leaders at OSG are actually working to open the door for more. I really enjoy talking to Patrick O'Hara and some of the things and the programs that he sees that he's going to start doing that I do think will make OSG leadership more accessible to women. Well, that's great to hear. And Alicia, I thought might kick back to you there for a moment. Uh, the world of not-for-profits and fundraising and the like, how does that compare in terms of what that mix has been like and, and how you've considered that over the years? So I spent, uh, prior to joining Gabriel Group and thus OSG, I joined Gabriel in 2018. Prior to that, I had just shy of 30 years of experience working in the nonprofit and or higher ed sector, which are both have a higher than average total number of female employees, but not tremendously different leadership stats don't necessarily pair up. So the majority of leadership roles in the nonprofit and higher ed sector do tend to be filled with men. I had a somewhat unique experience because I worked for over 20 years for Boy Scouts of America, which I 
the name in and of itself will probably lend you <laughs> to believe it was a pretty male dominated field. And I was for the majority of those 20 plus years, often the first female to ever fill every role I was in. I spent a lot of time as the most senior female in the organization. So I had an opportunity in that role uh, to do a lot of what Ashley kind of referenced um, with that organization, which was building out leadership paths for women and everything from setting up affinity groups, uh, women in leadership conferences and training agendas to help them identify paths, building out on work-life balance initiatives, um, all sorts of things. So moving from that organization where uh, I spent quite a bit of time and energy in that capacity, moving into Gabriel, which is more of a marketing realm, there's a lot more women, but I joined the Gabriel team and basically sat around. There was one other female in the leadership team at Gabriel. So I'm used to that statistical dynamic, if you will, but I have found Again, what Ashley said is very true. In any organization and in any field, you can lead from any seat within the organization. Sometimes there are easier paths of facilitating that, and sometimes it's more challenging. It depends on a lot. The leadership of the organization um, helps to drive that progress and or squash it if that <laughs> if it was the opposite objective. And I have found within OSG, again, similar experiences. Actually, looking at the website, you get an impression of this is who's making decisions. This is the, and you can make an assumption as to what the presumption is. But in my actual one-on-one dealings and conversations with the various leadership team members, I have not found gender to be a particularly large obstacle to overcome. I don't think that that is prevalent in, as it is, like that there was a decision made to have a predominantly male leadership team. So the evolution still needs to happen to get women in those senior leadership roles. But I do think there's an openness to it. And Alicia, and for everyone, we're going to, before this episode is done and this conversation is done, we want to visit some of the more formal and informal ways for uh, you and your your female colleagues at OSG to help smooth the path and open more opportunities as well. But some similar experiences in, in blazing the trail, whether you maybe even wanted to or not, but uh, that's a, a great perspective there. Pat, love to hear from you as well as a, again, relatively uh, new entrant into OSG and what that's been like for you in terms of the industries where you've been working and, and what you see at OSG. Well, that mine is a two-parter meaning that I agree with everything Alicia and Ashley have said. Since I've been here at OSG, it's been very open. It's not in previous positions where things were based on gender. This is a very open environment and having conversations in regards to diversity and changing things, especially that frontal view, like our website of just the men being on there. However, the other part of that is I have learned in my career that when we as women start to compare ourselves to our male counterparts, we kind of do ourselves an injustice. We are strong enough, smart enough to kind of blaze our own path and our own trail into what we are wanting and what we're wanting to do. So for me, I've kind of been on both ends. However, I'm also believing that I am my own woman. I strive in my own field. I do my best and I Pray that my work speaks for itself and not just be labeled as a woman in leadership, but as a person who has the ingenuity to do what needs to be done. Pat, thank you for that. And 
Kathy, I'd love to hear from you as well, because not only from your experience, but as you're putting together a team, part of a team that's, that's relatively new as well. And I would imagine there's some uh, still figuring out roles and, and how all that's going to go. So what, how has that played into, especially as a female leader, from your experience and into this exciting role at OSG? I mean, and I can kind of parlay off of what Pat was saying as well. I think one of the interesting mistakes that we make as as female leaders is the conformity to want to be more like our male counterparts when really what we need to do is embrace who we are as women, but also embrace each other and really learn and help understand each other's perspective and building an organization. That's an important part of doing so is right. Getting to know the different pieces within the organization, the different players, and how you take the best of what you have within that organization and make it even better, right? So I'm really supporting the growth of the organization versus growing my own in, in this particular case. But you know, we as women need to be supporting and lifting each other up through this process. And that's really how we help embrace the change and drive that change within the organization. Thank you, Kathy. And I'd like to transition just a bit Because one of the topics that we hear from people across OSG is the importance of work-life balance. And the the past couple of years have been very challenging in that regard for everyone. And Pat, maybe we could begin with with you because you're you're coming in, if I recall correctly, you are full-time remote, but everyone has a a different situation uh, um, of what balance means and how do you do that and how you do that at, at different stages. And by the way, everyone listening in on this, as we're recording this, it is quite the combination of offices, <laughs> home offices, all of that going on, the reality of, of doing work today. But Pat, how have you approached this notion of work-life balance? What does that mean for you? In actuality, this has worked out a lot better for me. I know that due to the pandemic, we're all mostly having to work from home In my previous position prior to the pandemic, I was always rushing to get into the office and I was always working late and sometimes leaving in the dark, coming in in the dark and leaving in the dark. I personally like being permanently remote in the sense that I can get up and start when I want to. I can, gas is a whole lot cheaper. Food is a whole lot cheaper since I make my, I pre-make my meals. But the work-life balance has been a lot easier now that I'm permanently remote. I can get up and start, like I said, at whatever time I get my work done. If I have to make an appointment with my doctor or just helping my mom out with something, I can leave and always come back. Whereas when I was in the office, it was a little bit more challenging to work around everything. I happen to like it. It's working out for me. And I think for parents, it works out to a certain degree because they're home when their children come home from school um, and they're able to you know, give them not necessarily the attention, but they're there in the house so that they're not you know, becoming latchkey kids. So I love the work-life balance. It's working out. And I have a great manager too, who supports making sure that we have a great work-life balance. She doesn't want us overworking where we're doing 80 hours a week. And she's noticing because she sees our time online and making sure that she has that one-on-one conversation with us as well. So, yeah, it's working out for me. Very important. And Ashley, I know you've got your own version of this. 
and have had your own version of with your family situation and what that balance and how maybe that's been changing over time. How has that been something that you have approached? I, well, I just remember, I think back to just when the five of us were trying to schedule this and Alicia and I were like, well, if we do it too late in the day, the kids are going to come busting through the door and it doesn't matter what door you close, you're going to hear them, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's all part of it. But yeah, I, I recently became a stepmother to two um, fairly young girls. They are seven and 10 and they were three and just turned six when I met them. So I've, I've been in their life for feels like a long time for me so far, but it's been a big learning curve. And the thing that I have, that I didn't really understand before that is, you know, I always know that there's all kinds of advice to moms on how you have to be and what you have to do and feeling guilty about not being there. And can you travel and can you not? And if you're not in the room, what does that do to your career? And I never had to pay attention to that for a very, very long time. And I always thought, oh, that's not, that's not real. It's not really like that which I shouldn't do to my female peers, but it happens, right? And uh, whether you intentionally do it or not, but there is probably more advice on how to be a stepmom, maybe even than being a mom, because that, and then you got definitely have moms and dads and everybody telling you how you have to be. And then trying to balance that with how do I continue to build my career so that I don't lose who I am and I don't lose myself in trying to build a family with, with my new family. And so that's been an experience. And I think the number one thing that I've come to realize even before I joined OSG, but definitely now is that critical that you're present. I think everybody in your life, whether it's a kid or a loved one, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship or a family relationship, you just have to be present when it's time to be present. Everybody can accept boundaries and, and be if you clearly communicate when you're available and when you're not. And kids will do that too. Even my stepdaughters will do that. But when it's time to work, they know that you need to work. But when it's time to not work, you have to not work. You know, you have to not bring your phone. You have to not check your emails. You have to not check your texts because you have to give them your time. And so that's been an adjustment that I think most people learned in COVID, but I had to learn it even after COVID. But it's just important to be present when it's time to be present with your family. And I thought it interesting how you talk about you just try to limit those distractions, like not bringing your phone, or maybe it's an email you're saying, I'm, I'm just simply not available during these, these certain times, because it certainly is a lure. And, and it depends on the team you're on. Like Pat said a mouthful, you know, just a few minutes ago when she said, my manager cares and my manager pays attention to how much I'm working. And I know, like, I have to give a shout out to Dennis. I was actually having a one-on-one -on -one with a, somebody on my team just now. And he was like, oh, yeah, the text that Dennis sent. And, and I wasn't on it because I was on vacation and I was on spring break with my family. And so he intentionally left me off because he also understands and cares that when it's time to be with family or with family. And so, I mean, we talk about where you work, the culture of where you work is very important to work with people that understand that and also keep that top of mind. If you don't have it, you can create it for yourself. It makes it awfully difficult, but that is one of the nice things about being here again at OSG is that I, I do think that there are some leaders that really genuinely care and they show you with their actions, not just their words. And speaking of whom, maybe we'll go to Alicia as one other good example of that. So, but what have you found for your, in your own terms, Alicia, in terms of uh, how this notion of balance, how you have defined that over time and how you've navigated that and how you try to do that for, for others as well? So I, I have uh, four kids 
I have a 14-year-old and I have three nine-year-olds. So I went from one to four in one day, which was not the plan, but that's that's what I got. So certainly very quickly into uh, the parenthood journey, I had to learn about balance. I also have always been the breadwinner for my family. I've always had the primary career path. So learning to juggle right at the outset, what I did, there was never another option. Like this was the path. This was what we were doing. And so I certainly experienced some of that guilt that goes into no matter where I was at any hour of the day, feeling guilty that I need to be at this other thing. So if I was with my kids, I was feeling guilty, like, oh, I should be at work. I should be working on something right now. And when I was at work, I've had this kind of guilt of like, oh, I should be with my kids right now. I should be home. I should be at the baseball, whatever, whatever it was. And so learning sort of to discipline myself to take that talk track out of my own head and recognizing that wherever I am is where I need to be at that time and be fully committed to that being what gets my energy and attention, removing that distraction for myself, which is really its own sort of mental gymnastics, because I didn't necessarily have bosses who were telling me I needed to be at this. It was all in my own head. Like I was the one telling myself I needed to be in this other place. I pair that with trying to also manage with the same philosophy. So I'm have a very, I have unique, I have an entirely female team and they're amazing uh, here at, within OSG. Some have little kids, some have grown kids, some don't have kids at all. Some are married, some are single. So they really, their own personal life experiences run the gamut. And what I try to reinforce as a staff leader for them is creating sort of the expectation of that same level of discipline for themselves. So making sure that they schedule, like they step away, making sure that they take time to do whatever it is that fills their free time with kind of happiness and joy recognizing that, uh, send them a message. Like I'm sending you a message now. I don't want a response right now. Go do the other thing. I just need to get this off my plate. So setting the boundaries and reinforcing and making sure like everyone takes all their time off. If you have 10 days of vacation and you end the year only having used eight, you get no points with me. Like I don't believe in martyrdom of like, Oh, you forfeited 12 days of vacation last year. Well, you're an idiot. That sounds like the stupidest possible thing you could have done. So really kind of setting the, the expectation that, You need this time for you to be the best possible employee. You need to be able to have that balance for yourself. And so, and knowing from my own mistakes, how easy it is to slip into that guilt dialogue, self-dialogue, try to help my team members to not fall victim to the same thing. But I really, I think what it comes down to is, and for each person it's different, but setting boundaries, setting a schedule and understanding what the priorities are. And then disciplining yourself and others, whether it's your direct reports or it's the persons you report to, but creating what those boundaries are. And then you have to be the one disciplining yourself to respect them. And sometimes that means that can mean training your new boss that, hey, I can't do meetings from this time frame. Or I, you know, and for me, like I'll talk to my team about there's some hours of the day that I prefer to not be on client calls because I know that there's distraction in the house. Now, if there's an emergency and that's the only time, but I have 25 people that have access to my calendar. So they're putting things on my calendar. So making sure that they know these are the timeframes where I'm going to be at my best to be client facing or versus one-on-one. I can do emails until 10 at night, but if I need to get on a Zoom and look like I'm having a conversation that I sound like I know what I'm talking about with a client, 
I prefer to not have four kids running and screaming in the background. That's better for them, <laughs> for the clients, better for me. So just sort of understanding and knowing what those parameters are and then being responsible for those myself, not expecting anybody else to respect them if I don't do it. So. And before we get Kathy's perspective, Alicia, I wanted to just follow up on one thing I thought you said was very interesting, the way that you said it. And you used the term talk tracks. And you also mm-hmm. talked about mental gymnastics and the like. So oftentimes, although we want to be in a structure where our colleagues and our leaders and their, their boundaries that are set, it sounds like, and I, I do believe this to be true uh, for, for all of us, but the, it's the voices in our own heads that are playing a guilt game or we're mm-hmm. missing out on something or somehow we're letting others down that whether the, the, the others are inside OSG or in our family or in our community. So how you could talk about that just a bit more. I think that's really good guidance in terms of how do you muffle that voice that's telling you that the boundaries that you said, well, maybe just this time. I'll Right. I think there's a lot of, it's the wrong word, but I really, it does come down to sort of self-forgiveness of recognizing that it's okay to, that I can't be in every place I need and, or even want to be every hour of every day. So when I hear that sort of internal dialogue creeping up and preventing me from doing what I think is the right thing to do, I have to sort of, and it doesn't mean I don't go down a rabbit hole from time to time. We all do. We're all guilty of it. But recognizing it when I hear it in my own head and then sort of shutting it down and talking myself out of it. I read something was a long time ago. It had nothing to do with necessarily work-life balance, but I think it's a very good sort of reminder is the voice that you talk to yourself with, would you say those things to your best friend? And if you wouldn't, and it doesn't matter, it's like what you say, like how you look in the mirror and how you like think about your day or plan. But if these are, if this isn't the advice you would give your best friend, then you should stop giving it to yourself. And so I try to kind of filter my own thought process around like, would I tell my employee, if I, would I tell somebody who works for me to make this? No, I wouldn't. So then I have to stop telling myself that it's okay to just, do that next round of thing. But I also think you have to give yourself the lenience to be flexible and to do like, okay, I have a rigid, like I'm not going to do email after six o'clock or whatever. Like if I gave myself that rule, not beating myself up at seven 30 at night when my kids are watching TV and I'm on the phone, like catching up on emails, because for me, I might need to give myself that time and I can't feel guilty about it. Like, I think we have to just be, allow ourselves to manage that path be flexible with ourselves and with others and recognize that you can still, you can be disciplined and whatever, but there's someone's going to throw a wrench at you. And if you're not ready for that, like kind of like to pivot, it, it'll crush you because it's just, it's a constant stream, but it's also okay to say, you know what, I'm dealing with this tomorrow. I'm going to sit down right now and watch TV with my kids. That's great advice. And that Ashley just a, a moment ago was talking about getting unsolicited advice. I've heard someone say is like, well, if you, ask for the advice, then listen to it. And if you didn't, just it, it might just be more noise. Kathy, to you and this whole issue about work-life balance and whom you're serving and including uh, for yourself along the way, what does that look like for you? How are you navigating that? I mean, I would say if you asked me this a few years ago, I would say that I wasn't doing it very well. I was trying to, like Alicia and others, be all things to all people. I think we as women tend to have an even stronger propensity to try to do that. Interesting to say that, but I've worked with a couple of different women's organizations over the years 
have done some extensive mentoring and it actually has come out statistically that is something that women tend to impose on ourselves more so than our male counterparts. So it's it's interesting to hear both of them kind of talk about that as well and how the important thing is really finding ways to be present. One of the things that we always talked about was having your non-negotiables, right? So it's a way of setting boundaries, but it's a way of prioritizing both with your family, but also with yourself. What are the things that we need to make sure that day over day, week over week, we ensure are still happening and that we're carving the correct boundaries around those to make sure that we stay committed. And so for me, when I was feeling very challenged with my work-life balance or the lack thereof, that was really how I got it back is really looking at, you know, what's important and both from a work perspective and from a life perspective and really making sure to keep laser focus on those things and ensure that those things get done. Right. And that, you know, as, as Alicia also just mentioned, there's things that need to kind of fall by the wayside because the important thing is spending time with the kids at the end of the day, you know, that those projects that, you know, are there for you, emails, et cetera, they'll be there in the morning. Don't worry. (laughs) So just making sure that you're not giving up those key moments and spending your life, you know, trying to do too many different things and that you're focusing on the right things. I'd like to make sure in in this conversation in the the minutes that we have left of that there's an opportunity for everyone to talk about what they see as some opportunities, both from a formal and informal way of supporting one another within OSG And if you have somebody that's been a good sounding board, a good leader, a good colleague along that, this is a great opportunity within OSG Connections podcast to to call that out and acknowledge that help. Ashley, let's begin with you in terms of what do you see still, it's fresh for you. What are the opportunities and what are the resources that, whether you think of them as a more formal or, or informal way that other women at OSG can take advantage of and who's helping you along the way? Uh, one of the first things that's important to do, especially in, a, in well, everyone's remote, in a remote world, is to make the effort to make a connection and, and actually talk to somebody. I think we forget to just pick up the phone too, which is funny, you know, in sales, we tell people, don't forget to make the actual phone call, right? It's in sales, even though it's all over email and Zoom, you can still just call. I think that that's the approach that that we should take with each other is just make the call. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, male or female or however you identify, just make the connection because you'd be surprised. I got to just randomly, I called Georgina, one of our sales reps a few months ago for something unrelated. I don't even remember how it came up. She was like, oh, I read a book about this. And I was like, I've read that book too. And then we had this great connection. And so I think the more you put yourself out there to just build the relationship first, knowing that, like Kathy said, the work's going to be there. The email's not going away. Uh, but just call and make the connection. I think you put yourself out there and, and you can kind of create your own opportunities. You know, if you see an area of need and you can problem solve it, I think you can kind of create your own future. And one of the things I really like that the commercial group does is we use a a tool to help um, guide our one-on-one conversations with our manager. And you can tell them, these are the projects I love and these are the things that I loathe. And let's figure out together how we do less loathe and more love. And so I think that even if it's not, if you don't think that it's there, you can create it for yourself in a lot of ways, whether it's a formal title or informally being part of something. I think that there are just a lot of opportunities And the more you put yourself out there, the more you make connections, those opportunities will surface themselves to you. And then you'll see them over time. Thank you, Ashley. How about for you? What are you finding in terms of paths 
to uh, where you can get support, where others can get support and maybe ways you can help. And feel free to, if there's anyone that needs some acknowledgement here in this forum as well, to, to do so. Well, I have to say, I've only been here six months and I've changed managers. Kathy Henley just took over our project management office and she has been nothing but great for me. She's a great mentor. She's a great listener. She's a great supporter. She always makes you laugh, but she makes you feel very engaged. And I love that because I didn't come from an environment like that. And when you were asking your question, I started to think about different ways that we as women can be supportive. And I think um, Ashley was kind of speaking on that. And I think that sometimes that we don't realize or don't acknowledge that we have other women in the in our offices that are not on the same level. And sometimes we become a little intimidated or scared to share experiences, but those experiences make us grow and it makes us more knowledgeable and it connects us. Ashley and I have talked a couple of times in the ACTA project and getting things prepared for the Salesforce application. And we just started connecting. I was just calling her about anything. It's like, how about this? How about this? And just wonderful connection because I opened up and I shared, hey, I don't know exactly all of this does, but this is what I know it does. The other thing I thought about is just supporting one another and mentoring. And that goes back to Kathy. I've shared with her in different areas that I want to move into or just kind of be involved in, not just as a PM, but I have a vast volunteer background in nonprofit, and I would want to be able to work with OSG in that area. The other thing I thought about as women, we should be more involved in bringing up our next generation of women. Not only that, but I mean, we have a lot of new people who are coming on, and I wish that there was a way that we would be able to, OSG would be able to acknowledge when new employees come on, and then we can just connect with them, get show them the ropes and who you can contact and who you can talk to. I have to say, Michelle Schenhoster was one of those people when I started. So I don't know who I need to connect with for marketing to do this, this. And she said, oh, talk to this person. Oh, I don't know who I need to talk to about how I should set up my insurance. Oh, talk to this person. So just bridging out and connecting with people. And the last thing I said, I wrote in my brain is not to be afraid to ask questions and creating a safe environment for vulnerability. I'm new. I'm scared. I don't want to say the wrong things to the wrong person, but it's nice to be able to reach out to Alicia or Kathy or Ashley and say, hey, as a matter of fact, I think I did that. I came on and I asked Alicia, was it you, Kathy? I asked about the how to do pivot tables. I was kind of afraid to ask, but I think I've been here long (laughs) enough. I've been here it was me, and we kind of commiserated about it for a few minutes. It, exactly. I may have had your, your answer, but at least you felt like I was understanding. I had some doing. support that I wasn't <laughs> exactly. the only one who didn't know how to do all, it. All our listeners, you don't know what the pre-recording sessions are like. <laughs> we cover everything. That support of each other, that help of each other, that mentoring of each other, that's all about us as women and growing growing our area, growing our field. And that to me is the most important thing. I'm not sure if I answered your question, Jim, but I think I was pretty close. Well, you were <laughs> quite you. close. I can just chime in on top of yeah. Pat's comment to say one of the things, having spent the lion's share of my professional career for 30 plus years in a relatively male environment is to encourage men and women per se, mm-hmm. like to identify and find your network. And that network may consist of mentors, colleagues, friends, 
building that out and that it does not need to be gender specific. So women identifying, finding male mentors is a very appropriate, reasonable thing. New men coming into the organization and identifying and having a a female mentor is a very reasonable and uh, would be a very productive thing. So not waiting for a woman to be in a senior leadership role in the ELT to have a role model, I, I think we would all be well served to just recognize that we have a lot of very dynamic, smart people from within the organization to draw on. And I would encourage everyone to build out their network regardless of the gender. So as a young female employee coming in and looking around, certainly reaching out to any of those of us on the call, but not necessarily discounting that a different gender might offer some really solid career advice or client services, ideas or whatever, and building out those networks, but making, it has to be a proactive thing, waiting for someone to come to you and scoop you up and take you under their wing when we're all so busy and all these things are going on, you could slip through the cracks. I would I would offer that anybody who really wants to build out this sort of initiative for themselves, their own career path, their own trajectory, needs to take a proactive step at doing that. And it could be with a, a higher level female, it could be with a higher level male, it could be with a colleague, but, but taking those steps for yourself and taking that initiative. I 100% agree with you. And that's exactly what I meant, but just in in referencing that this podcast for women, I just think it's so much grander when we're able to reach out. And with that, Michelle introduced me to Patrick O'Hara so that I would have that opportunity because otherwise I wouldn't have known him. It's bridging me and branching me out more and more as I continue to engage in my my day-to-day work. Thank you, Pat. And Kathy, uh, any uh, word from you, anything you'd like to add in this in terms of active, proactive steps to take in ways that you can not only get support, but also support others? I think mostly you know, along the lines of what the group here has shared, I think connect, that's so important that you stop and you get to know people that you're working with and really build those relationships. As Ashley talked about in the beginning, it's also about being that change that you want to see in the organization as well, right? And so you know, if you see something that you don't like the way that it looks like and you want to help support and drive that change, make it happen, right? And bring people along with you, as Alicia referred to, throughout your the network that you build to accomplish that, right? And so you're getting the support that you need, but you're making meaningful connections along the way as well. I just think it does wonders for not only you personally, but the way that you can support others. Pat was talking about mentorships and things of that nature. I think that's the the other third critical piece is finding ways to help bring others up in the organization, share experiences, provide development to really make this place an amazing organization to work in. And we spend a lot of time here every day, right? And so, you know, we want that time to be well spent. Ashley, if I could come to you we, uh, for uh, one final note about how a lot of these issues we've talked about are becoming a real stated priority across your team and across OSG. I think one of the more exciting things when you talk about being in a company with a culture that that actually cares and is, is working hard to make change is um, the vital few that we've rolled out at OSG. And so, you know, whether it's Kevin talking about them, whether it's Ken talking about them or, or Patrick, the fact that the company is uh, has made it a goal for itself to create a leadership path and make that available to all employees. So no matter 
what function you sit in, what department, what segment, you know, however you want to slice and dice the organization, it is a 2022 priority for the company to create a leadership path for folks so they can grow themselves and grow their careers. And I think that's really great because again, it like Alicia's mentioned, it, it doesn't matter what gender, you know, there are a lot of people who are sitting there thinking, how can I get better? How can I get more engaged? Um, and it's just really exciting that it's it's um, equitable for all at OSG. But, you know, as a female, I, I have to encourage my other female peers to, to take advantage of that. Like it is for you too. Like it's not just another thing for executives or mid-level men. Like it's for you too. It, it's for all of us. And so take advantage of that. I just like to say uh, on everyone's behalf, thank you. It takes a while to arrange something like this, but the podcast itself is really gaining a lot of traction. We've heard a lot of great feedback from it. You really had a great contribution here. We've talked about a number of important issues and even touched on pivot tables, which I did not think was one that we had had set on the agenda coming in. (laughs) I'm sure that if you want specific tips on that, you can find them elsewhere. But I'd just like to say a quick note. Thank you. Ashley Phillips. Pat Lindsay, Kathy Swift, and Alicia Lifrak. Thank you all so much for joining us here on uh, the OSG Connections podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is designed to serve you and everyone across OSG. We want to hear what you think about this episode and what you'd like to hear in the future. Are there topics you find most interesting and compelling? Which people would you like to hear from? Who has those stories worth sharing? For any of that, send your email to podcast at osgconnect.com. And if you haven't done so already, then please push the button that says subscribe or follow. That means each new episode will be automatically downloaded into your podcast player. You won't even have to think about it. You can listen on your schedule. Thanks for joining us, for spreading the word and making connections.